As we have been considering the book of Thessalonians, I remind you that the believers at Thessalonica had been experiencing a great deal of persecution as a result of their placing faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. A persecution that was quite severe, that had resulted in the death of many of their loved ones, family members, friends. Nevertheless, they were remaining faithful to the Lord. Their lives demonstrated that the Holy Spirit was at work among them. And last week we emphasized the way in which they would know that the Holy Spirit was at work among them because of the evidences that were seen in their lives. Therefore, Paul is thankful for what God has done through and for the Thessalonian believers. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 2, it reads, We give thanks to God always for you, making mention of you in our prayers, constantly bearing in mind your work of faith and labor of love, steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the presence of our God and Father. The book of Thessalonians can be characterized as a book of comfort. It is the primary reason for the writing of the book of Thessalonians. In some epistles, it's correction, it's rebuke, it's instruction. In the book of Thessalonians, it is comfort. Comfort. Comfort in the midst of persecution and hardship. A comfort that results from hope. In 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 3, Constantly bearing in mind your work of faith, labor of love, and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the presence of our God and Father. This hope has been produced by the Holy Spirit, which is a recurring theme in the book of Thessalonians. Romans 15, 13, Now may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I've said that we are going to take just a a few weeks to look at overarching themes in the book of Thessalonians to try to get a sense of of how these chapters intertwine. And today the thought is hope and comfort. Hope and comfort as it's revealed in the book of 1 Thessalonians. Hope is looking forward to something with a confident expectation. There is a world of difference between hope and wishful thinking. Wishful thinking is is the way we would love it to be. We sometimes may daydream or reflect and wish that the world were quite a different place than what it is. But hope is looking forward to something with a confident expectation. Now, I don't know that we always use the word hope in that context in English. But perhaps the best use of it in that context is a hope chest. If that means anything to you, a hope chest would be a chest in which a young woman would store items that she had gathered in anticipation of an eventual marriage. Contents of a hope chest typically included such items as clothing, especially a special dress, table linens, towels, bed linens, quilts, and dishware. It was the kinds of things 
that you would need when you got married. And so a young woman, in anticipation of her marriage, would begin to set things aside so that when eventually that marriage took place, she would have the materials and instruments that she needed uh, in order uh, to prosper in her marriage. The hope is a confident expectation concerning a future event. The hope that is in view here is being in the presence of God with all the blessings that are associated with being in that presence. It's a hope of being in God's presence. And it is a hope that is referred to repeatedly, not only in 1 Thessalonians, but also in 2 Thessalonians, where it reads, And these will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord, from the glory of His power, when He comes to be glorified in His saints on that day, and to be marveled at among all who have believed. Our testimony to you was believed. So this morning we want to consider together the hope that is the believer's. First, the believer's hope is described. The believer's hope is based on the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is in Jesus that our hope is placed. 1 Thessalonians 1.3 Constantly bearing in mind your work of faith, labor of love, steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. That our confidence comes in relationship to Jesus Christ. We believe that all the blessings of salvation and all those blessings that are associated in being in God's presence are going to come to us as a result of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not because of anything we have done, not because of anything that we have merited, but solely through the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we can have confidence because we can have confidence in him. That God indeed was pleased with his sacrifice. That through his shed blood, our sins really are forgiven. And that through his resurrection, we too will rise one day. And so, as a result, the believer's hope produces a steadfastness in the midst of trial and persecution. One of the hymns that, were, that was played during the prelude was, it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. That is the thought of this passage. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. There are three triads in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3. Faith shows itself in works. Love shows itself in labor. And the third, which I'm centering on today... Hope shows itself in endurance. It is that which keeps us going on. It is that which renews us. It is that which refreshes us. It is that which gives us the ability to hang in there. The proverbial light at the end of the tunnel. The, the aspect that the clouds are going to break and the sun is going to shine forth. The idea that tomorrow will be better to, than today. It is that hope that things are going to be different, that encourages and facilitates steadfastness or endurance. The NAS translates it as steadfastness, the NIV as endurance. Paul speaks 
of the endurance that his hope produces in his own life. Paul talks about a myriad of untoward circumstances that had happened in his life. All kinds of miserable things that had entered in. But he does not give up. Why not? 2 Corinthians 4.16 Therefore we do not lose heart. But though our outward man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are seen are eternal. So Paul says he focuses his attention, not on the things which can be seen, not on the daily grind and the circumstances that are around about him that are so miserable. He takes his focus away from them and begins to look at things that cannot be seen with the eye. Things which are not material. Things such as the Lord's hope, the Lord's strength, the Lord's coming, the Lord's provision. And in that, he is renewed. And he says, though outwardly, through all the beatings and difficulties, his body is decaying, yet inwardly, he said, I'm being renewed by day by day. I'm being refreshed. I'm being encouraged. Because I have hope. Hope. And what we want to see next is that that hope is primarily a future hope. It will be a hope that is fully realized in the presence of God. 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 3. Constantly bearing in mind your work of faith, labor of love, steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the presence of our God and Father. That is the realm of our hope. It is being in the very presence of God. And when we are in His very presence, then things as we know them in this life will change dramatically. They will change drastically. Paul is encouraging the Thessalonians to maintain a hope that is yet a future hope. It is a heavenly hope, for it is a hope in his presence. Colossians 1.4 Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel. We have a hope that is laid up for us in heaven. Application. In the hardships and difficulties of life, we need to keep this hope before us in order to keep life in a proper perspective. We need to constantly remind ourselves that this world is not all that there is. And it will be worth it all to have served Christ in this present age. They have a future hope. But now, we want to move to even a greater application of that theme in the book of Thessalonians, in that the believer's hope is a shared hope. It is a hope that we hold together. And it is a hope 
that involves each one of us. For the hope is not merely, although when I say that you can't underestimate being in the presence of God, but the hope is not merely being in the presence of God. The hope is that we are in the presence of God. That all believers are in the presence of God. Note how important the believers are to Paul's hope. Turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 19. For who is our hope or joy or crown of exaltation? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus at his coming? Now, the ultimate hope is the Lord Jesus and his return and then all being set right when the Lord Jesus Christ returns. But Paul says, but what is that joy? What is that crown? What is that exaltation? Paul says, it's you. It's you when the Lord Jesus Christ returns. That Paul is thinking about being in God's presence with them. The hope, as we have said, is founded upon the Lord Jesus Christ. But it extends to all believers. The four in This verse explains why the joy of Paul's hope includes the Thessalonians. Paul deeply cared about the Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians 2.8 Having thus a fond affection for you, we are well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives. Because you have become very dear to us. Paul says, you are important to us. We had affection towards you, but that affection has grown. To the place where you are are really beloved by us. And as a result, he wanted to be reunited with them. Verse 17. But we, brethren, having been bereft of you for a short time, while in person, not in spirit, were all the more eager with great desire to see your face. For we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, more than once, and yet Satan thwarted us. Paul said, I wanted to come to you more than one time because you're beloved. I want to see you again. I want to be reunited with you. I want to be in your presence. But to this point, Satan has prevented that from taking place. So Paul looks forward to the time that they'll be reunited in the Lord's presence. Verse 19, 4. You see, here's the application for who is our hope or joy or crown of exaltation? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ? Putting in other words, Paul says, I miss seeing you now. And one of the great joys is knowing that I will see you again. And I will be with you for all eternity. I will be with you for all eternity. The hope is not just being with the Lord, 
but being reunited with fellow believers for all eternity. Thus, we should rejoice as we think about our loved ones and being with them for all eternity. It isn't just our own salvation that we rejoice in, but we rejoice in the salvation of others. And so in Thessalonians, for Paul, that becomes a motivation for sharing the gospel. One of the motivations that we should have in taking the gospel to our sons, our daughters, our mothers, our fathers, our aunts, our uncles, and yes, our neighbors and other acquaintances is a real concern for their well-being and the hope of being reunited. The hope of being together again for all eternity. That is a unique and precious Christian hope. Thirdly, the believer's hope is a comforting hope. It is a comforting hope. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 18, the, the application comes at the end. Then we're going to unfold how we get there. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 18 says, Therefore, comfort one another with these words. The application is comfort one another with these thoughts. So what are these thoughts? Well, the believer's hope is a comforting hope. The very idea of hope is one of encouragement and comfort. The thought of being with the Lord and being reunited with our Lord with loved ones is to bring great comfort and hope. But the Thessalonians have a concern. And that is, what about those believers who have already died? What about them? What happens to them? What happens to your mother or your father if they've died already? Your child, they've already died. Aunts, uncles, grandfathers, grandparents. What about those who have been faithful and loved and, and served God and are off the scene? The Thessalonians were very concerned about these individuals who had lived their life for Christ and gave themselves because of their faith. They had died in persecution. What about them? What about them? That is what Paul addresses at some length in the book of Thessalonians, both first and second. The Thessalonians were concerned that those who had already died, most likely have died because of persecution, would somehow miss out on the joys that would be for those who are alive when the Lord returns. Notice First Thessalonians 4.13. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren. I'm in First Thessalonians 4.13. About those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. No hope. The Bible often uses sleep as a euphemism for uh, death. 
People look peaceful. People look restful when we see them uh, uh, laid out. And so the thought here is, well, what about those people who have died? The first thought is the non-believer has no basis for a future hope. Look at verse 13. We do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. It's often said at funeral services, it's not that we don't grieve as Christians, but our grief is different. And one of the aspects in which our grief is different is that we have a hope, a legitimate hope, a reason for expectation. And the non-believer has none. They have no future hope. They have nothing to rejoice in. They have nothing to look forward to. There is nothing about death that is a good thing. If you don't know Jesus Christ. Now, sometimes people think it's a good thing. And you'll hear people say such things as, well, at least they are out of their suffering. At least they don't know more pain. But I tell you, if a person doesn't know Christ, the sufferings of this world cannot be compared to the sufferings in the next. There is nothing, I can't say it strongly enough, there is nothing good about dying for a person who doesn't know Christ. And while there are reasons to grieve and sorrow as you miss your loved ones, there is great reason for hope for those who know Christ as their Savior. So Paul writes to the Ephesians, Remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world. If you don't have God through a relationship to Jesus Christ, you have no reason for hope. No reason for hope. Theirs is a Miserable condition. Second Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 9 says, And these will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord. You see, the emphasis here is that we're going to be in the presence of the Lord. Those are going to be away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. When He comes to be glorified in His saints on that day, and to be marveled at among all who believe. For our testimony to you was believed. Our hope is in the resurrection. And our hope in the resurrection is based on Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians 4.14 You notice in chapter 1 it said, For our hope is in Christ. Now it's expanded upon. 1 Thessalonians 4. 14, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. The hope is in the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. And if you believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, the basis of our hope is that those who have died are going to be raised from the dead by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's our hope. That's our confidence. That's what we're looking forward to. It's yet future. 
But there's going to become a day. And it happens when the Lord Jesus Christ returns that the dead in Christ rise from the dead. Now we're told in the book of Corinthians that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Our spirit goes to be with God's, in God's presence immediately upon our death. But we are looking forward to a time in which there is actually a reunion with our bodies and our spirit or soul. That there's going to be a time in which we actually are resurrected to a life that is quite similar to this life. We are looking forward to that day. And we're looking forward to that day for it affects not only ourselves as individuals, but it affects all the people of God. So, the dead believers will be raised before the believers who are alive and caught up to be with the Lord. Notice 1 Thessalonians 4.16. We're going to get into this in much greater detail as we work through this in the future verse by verse. But today, looking at the highlights. 1 Thessalonians 4.16. For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Those people who know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior and have died, they are going to be raised from the dead before the people that are alive are translated to be in the presence of God. They don't miss out on a thing. They don't miss out on a thing. Those Thessalonian believers who have died because of their faith, Paul is writing to them to say, they don't miss out. Just because they're dead doesn't mean they're gone. Just because they're dead doesn't mean that God was unfaithful. Just because they're dead, it doesn't mean you will never see them again. Just because they are dead doesn't mean that all these blessings that are associated in being in God's presence, they are not going to experience. No. They're going to experience them all. Then, the believers that are alive when the Lord returns will be caught up together with the Lord and the resurrected believers. 1 Thessalonians 4.17 Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them. Talking about these resurrected believers. We're going to be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and thus... Notice the pronoun, we shall always be with the Lord. The emphasis is that all of us who know the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior will be with the Lord for all eternity future. Not just those that are alive when He returns, but those that have died in faith are going to be raised and we are going to be together for all eternity. Eternity future. The hope of the resurrection is a source of great comfort. First Thessalonians 4.18 Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Reflect upon this great truth. We're not going through persecution today. Not in this country. But certainly don't lose sight that there is persecution around the world. And there are some strange doctrines that have crept into the American church because we haven't known persecution. 
If we'd be in other countries, there'd be some things that are preached from pulpits that couldn't be preached in those countries. Not because they'd be banned, because they'd make absolutely no sense. Because these people know persecution. They know hardship. They know difficulty. Paul's writing to a church that is knowing persecution and hardship. And Paul is writing to them with one main emphasis. Comfort. Encouragement. Hang in there. Don't lose hope. Because our hope is in the Lord's return. And when he returns, he will set all things right. He will make all goodness to abound. He will punish the evildoer. He will reward the righteous. And we will be in his presence forever and ever. And not just you and me. But all those who have died in faith are going to be resurrected. And we are going to be together forever and ever. Enjoying one another's presence. Enjoying one another's fellowship. Rejoicing together in what God has done for us. Listen to the closing benediction of Second Thessalonians. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ Himself and God our Father, who has loved us and given us eternal comfort and good hope by grace, comfort and strengthen your hearts in every good work and word. See how the culmination of these books is praise and honor to God who has given us an eternal comfort and a good hope by grace. What we haven't deserved. What Jesus Christ has accomplished for us. Namely, His death and His resurrection. Which is going to be the basis for our resurrection. And being in the presence of God forever and ever. Not just individually, but corporately with the people of God. If you have loved ones today that have died and they knew the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior before they died, you're going to be reunited with them in God's presence. You're going to rejoice together. You're going to glorify Him together. You're going to exalt in Him together. And you're going to celebrate what God has done for all of His children as we praise Him with one voice. In the difficult days that you face, whatever they may be, the thought is don't lose hope. Not just wishful thinking. Don't lose sight of what is the ultimate reality for the child of God. And that is being with God forever and ever in a resurrected state. Body and soul. Being in His presence to enjoy all the benefits of salvation. A hope that is based solely on the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. A hope that is ours by grace. A hope that is primarily future. Yes, we don't see it now. But we will see it one day. And a hope that includes 
all of the departed loved ones who know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. Paul writes to the Thessalonians. And he says, I long to be with you. I am deeply affectioned towards you. I have desired to come to see you time and time again. Therefore, I rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Who do you miss this morning? Who is glaringly absent from your life? Do you have someone dear to you who knew the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior? And they're dead and gone? But they're not dead and gone. They're going to rise. And they're going to rise before anyone is caught up to be with the Lord. And together, those that are alive when the Lord returns and those that have already passed away are going to be in a resurrected bodily form, rejoicing in the goodness and grace of God forever and ever. And we're going to stand arm in arm with our loved ones, giving praise and honor and glory to God. Comfort yourselves with these words. Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you for the work of the Lord Jesus Christ that through his death and resurrection we have the hope, we have the confidence, we have the sure foundation and expectation that we will rise from the dead and we are going to be in your presence forever and ever. O Lord, renew us and give us understanding as we work through the book of Thessalonians that we would really develop an ever-increasing expectation for not only ourselves, but for all of our loved ones, that they would be in your presence. And then, Lord, cause us to understand the ramifications, even as it caused Paul to be willing to endure hardship and difficulty in his own life in order to see others come to know Christ. Oh, Lord, may may we see how important it is for our brothers, our sisters, our aunts, our uncles, our daughters, our sons, our neighbors, and yes, people that we don't know throughout this world, that they would come to experience and place faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord, not to be selfish in our salvation, but help us to realize the impact upon those who don't know you and embolden us. Give us a love for others that we want them to be where we are also. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.